0: Over the last, I think, five weeks, we've taught through our values. Um, As a church, we have developed 10. They're not in any particular order, if you can see them up on the screen. But the last five weeks, Pastor has preached through these. And today, I'm going to continue in that vein. Hopefully, his anointing will rest on me, too. But... As we, we're we kind of halfway through these, we're gonna do them for the rest of this month, and I wanted to recap them just a little bit in case maybe you missed one. I will say we are recording these sessions, so they will be available on YouTube pretty soon. We have some tweaks we need to do, but um, I did want to recap them just a little bit as we begin today. So the first, time, the first one, as you see up on the screen, is Apostolic Spirit-Filled Church. We believe in the apostles' doctrine outlined in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. And when we look at what the apostles taught and believed, that's what we teach and we believe. We want to be spirit-filled, and we do not want to go through the motions. We want the Spirit of God to move no matter what. That should be what our focus is and what we say every day at church. We are a worship in the word church. Our foundation as a church is built upon the word of God. We believe the Bible and only the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And we believe that this word, we believe in this word and we preach it. And his word will teach us, it will convict us, it will correct us, and it will show us how to live. And then if we follow the word of God, the way we act and operate will be worship unto Jesus because he is worthy. Prayer was the next one that we went through. Our value is that we strive to be a pray first church. We have monthly prayer. I think it's the third Monday of every month we come and gather here on an off night. And we also have a prayer room set up each Sunday that allows us to pray first as a church. We believe in prayer and that prayer changes things. It's just not something that we do or we go through but we also know that prayer allows us to develop a relationship with God. And we believe in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We believe that God can speak and guide us in every decision and action if we pray about it first. And if we are worried about something that we can offer that up to him and that he will take care of us and lead us. What a privilege to be able to, to conversate with the Lord and he would be able to guide us that way giving as a church body we want to be more like Jesus just as much as we can as possible you will see that woven through all of our values that Jesus gave throughout scriptures you'll find how selflessly Jesus gave of his time compassion efforts and power and eventually gave his life for us We want to be like Jesus and give where we can to those we love and respect, and maybe even those that we're not aware of or we don't know that well. But as the Lord leads us, that we will give of our time, our talent, and our treasure to those who are in need. Freely you have received. Freely give discipleship. We are a church of disciples making disciples. Jesus gave us all the great commission to go and make disciples. We are called to engage with people and help them become disciples of Christ. A disciple maker is kind of like a tour guide. You lead a person to new and undiscovered life in Christ. And then commission, last week was commission. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. His church is called to do no less. Go and make disciples. And at this church, we want to be a commissioning church. We want to train people. We want to equip them. We want to empower and support them. And we want to send people out to be missionaries, to start daughter works, to start new ministries. This is a church that commissions people to go. And that's one thing that I love about pastor is he says, I will never pastor people or hoard them where I want them to be fulfilled wherever God has called them. And if they have been called to go plant a daughter work or go be a global missionary or whatever that is, and the Lord says, yes, he's going to release them to do that. I love that he pastors that way. So today, this kind of all ties in with the last two, but it is, we are a mission driven church. So I'd like to start with, what is a mission statement? You know, let's break this down just a little bit. And what does that exactly mean? And so when you look at it from a business standpoint, I know I'm a business major, so sometimes I filter through it like that, but a company uses a mission statement to explain its purpose for existing in simple and concise terms. Just breaks it down so somebody could read it real plainly and really understand what they're all about. So as an example, Coca-Cola's mission statement is to refresh the world and make a difference. Do I have any Coca-Cola drinkers, Diet Coke, you know, drinkers in the house? Okay, I see it, I see it across it. So you guys know this, that they develop products to drive their mission home. Now, I'm not a Coke drinker, but whenever some people in the office pop that tab on the Coke, it just sounds refreshing. I'm like, okay, they've really created this product to really refresh and make a difference, I'm sure. Now, whenever the new, when Coca-Cola's marketing or product development department get together and they come up with new products, I'm sure that they run those new products through their mission. Is this product going to be refreshing and is it going to make a difference? And I'm sure that They won't develop something that tastes like dirt and that has chunks in it because most people won't refine, won't will not refine, will find that refreshing. Wow, that was a tongue twister. It might make a difference in the world by steering them away from their product, but I don't think that's the difference that they want to make. So, as a business model, everything always flows back through your mission. And as a church, we want everything we do to flow back through our mission. So, what is our mission? What is our biblical mission? mission. The last two lessons, Church of Disciples Making Disciples, and we are a commissioning church that we develop in sin, also tie in with this um, lesson today. In fact, we hope all of our values tie back into the mission as a church. Pastor has said it multiple times in other lessons, why is the church here? So we can get together, have fun, smile, look pretty. Well, I would say that let's look into the Bible and see why should we be here. Why does the church exist? And in John chapter 20, verse 21, it said, Then Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. Our mission is the same as Jesus. In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. The church exists to seek and to save those who are lost and to share the gospel with everyone. Now, we understand that we don't save people. We can't do that. God does that. And in Luke 24, 47 through 48, it said, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of his gospel, and we should preach, share hit these things in his name. We don't save people, but we do play a vital role in connecting them to him. That is our purpose, and that is our mission. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Paul is saying here in Romans that how can they call on someone they don't know? How will they learn? It will be through us. His disciples and followers of Christ, we must be willing to share to preach the gospel and help cultivate a space where people can learn about Jesus because they don't know. And they're not going to believe in someone if they don't know about him. This is our mission. We need to preach to share the gospel and cultivate a space where people can learn about Jesus. That's why the church exists. When we hear the word preach, we think of standing behind the pulpit on Sunday. And I'm very, I'm highly honored that I get this ability or opportunity to speak to you guys today. But I wanna remind us of something. In the Greek, the meaning of the word preach means proclaim. We don't have to stand behind a pulpit to proclaim the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. We can proclaim the gospel by encouraging and telling them that I know a God that can help you with whatever you need. And you can share your testimony of what God has done for you. That's preaching too. It's proclaiming the good news to the people. And by doing this, you are helping bridge the gap and connect them to Jesus. Do not ever underestimate your own personal testimony. It might speak to someone. And then they might say, hey, tell me a little bit more about that God and what he did for you. And that's how you can connect them to Jesus. That's how you preach the good news. Now that we see our mission as a church, not the building, but as a group of people, we must understand that the, we, what it means to be mission-driven. Everything we do must tie back to our mission, to seek and to save the lost and to share the gospel with all. So many times we get caught up in what we want to do and what we think is best, but we must be careful to share those, to make sure those desires or ideas are always tied back to the mission. Will it help connect people to God, to the Savior, to their Savior? Will it help reach people? And will it build God's kingdom? Not my kingdom, God's kingdom. Jesus was mission-driven during his earthly ministry. Everything he did was calculated and was a part of accomplishing his mission. Eating with sinners, visiting Samaritans. He was about his father's business and had so much love, such a love for people that it drove him to complete this mission. We must love people in the same way and allow that love to propel us to help them connect to Jesus. In John three sixteen, it says, "'For God so loved the world "'that he gave his only begotten Son, "'that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, "'but have everlasting life.'" God's love drove him to the cross in a similar way, and we should let our love for people drive us to help them connect to Jesus no matter what, even if it's inconvenience Inconvenient and cost us something. Right now, and I know my generation, I guess as a millennial, I love convenience. I love whatever's gonna give me instant. I'm a microwave generation, I want it to be quick, I want it to be now, and I don't wanna wait. And I don't want it to inconvenience me either. But I think that if you read Scripture and you see how Jesus connected with people and during his time on earth and how he took time and stopped and talked to people, how whenever he met the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. That's uncalled for, you know, that you would be able to converse with him. And his disciples went out. They went and found food. They were trying to get all that. But he's like, you know what? It's in the middle of the day. It's probably really hot, and I'm probably not supposed to be here based on what it looks like, based on our culture, but this is what I need to do. It's inconvenient, and it might cost me something, but this woman needs to hear about me. That is something that we need to look at as well, is that when we go throughout our day, when we go through and we're at the grocery store, or we're at the gas station, or wherever God has led us that day, if you feel him pulling you to go talk to somebody, and it might be inconvenient, it might make you two minutes late for something, it might cost you a little bit of time, But you never know that that person might need to hear exactly what you have to say or exactly what God has given you to tell them, to share your testimony. Again, do not underestimate the value of your testimony. They might be praying for that. They might be saying, you know what, Lord, I know you exist. I have no idea where I can find you, but please send me somebody. And that could be you. So I encourage you that even if it costs you something, some time, some compassion, maybe even a couple dollars to buy them a Coke, (laughs) go ahead and do that. And you might help bridge that gap between them and Jesus. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. We use that to fuel our mission. We have to have a love for people that we cannot stand the thought of them being lost. I want that to sink in for a second. Some of you I know that are sitting on our seats are fifth generation Pentecost, and I'm so thankful for that heritage, but maybe this your first generation, and you knew what it was like before God. Think about that. There are people that are not sitting on our pews that are out there that don't know the Lord, and personally, I'm so thankful for me how I got introduced to God wasn't from anything. I wasn't raised in this. I, my mom remarried and she married a backslidden Pentecost and he's the one they started going back to church together. And that's how I got introduced to God. And I often wonder, I would have been going through my high school. I would have been going wherever, wherever the world probably took me. Would somebody have shared this gospel? Because I can't imagine my life now without God. And so let that, think about that. Where would you be without God? You don't, I don't want to think about it. But let that propel you to go tell somebody about him. Let that love for people, that love that you want to connect them to Jesus, propel you forward. Our love for people needs to drive us to try to bring them to salvation, just like Jesus' love for them drove him to the cross. Jesus' love for us drove him to the cross. It was inconvenient, and it cost him a lot, but it was worth it. I'm so thankful. As we look at Jesus' mission, we must make sure our local church matches up with what his mission was and how he wants the church to be today. As a local assembly, we have programs and events that tie back to the mission to seek and to save those who are lost. Our services are set up so that we can create an atmosphere for people who don't know Jesus so they would have the opportunity to connect with Jesus. We have children's ministry to teach and to train our children on the word of God to help them develop and know more about the Lord. We have First Steps, our program that is going on right now that happens every single month. A new class is starting right now. It introduces them to the church and introduces them to God. It's kind of like an easy, easy step into that. We have things here at this church that allows the, them to get connected to Jesus that ties back to to our mission. We're very adamant about that. We want that to be a part of who we are, that we have created an environment, an opportunity, a building, programs, events, whatever that is, that allows them to connect to Jesus. And if it doesn't allow them to connect to Jesus, I don't want to do it. We can't be a program. We can't be a church of programs or events to fill our calendar. We would all be exhausted, depleted, and absolutely frustrated. We would come in here grumpy and snarly, and we would not have the joy of the Lord on us, I'm sure. We would essentially belong to a country club. And Pastor has said it so many times during our value lessons. We need to look closely at what we develop and engage in. Is it apostolic and is it mission driven? Let's talk about last month. We had an event, and I'm just going to pick on one event. We had an event called Fall Fest. Why do we do Fall Fest in October? Is it just because we want to get a lot of candy, the kids get to dress up and have some fun? Is that the purpose of it? But I don't think that's the purpose of it. I know it's a lot of work for everyone involved, but the purpose of our Fall Fest is to reach out and connect with our community and open up an opportunity to share the good news with people. And this year, despite the rain, because it did rain, it was really cold, all of those good things, we were able to do that. We were able to connect with families. And in fact, we had a couple come to service last Sunday because of Fall Fest. That's the reason why we do our events. We do those events. I know it's a lot of work. We pour a lot into it. We ask a lot of you. But the reason is, is because we want to connect people to Jesus. And if dressing up funny and with the kids and letting them get it all sugared up and all of that if it get, brings people to God so be it and then whenever they come to Jesus it gives them or come to church it gives them another opportunity to connect to Jesus even deeper that was just the initial connection but then they get to be in the presence of God because we've set services up to be able to conduct this flow of the spirit to be spirit-led right so now they're like ooh. What's this? This feels good. Tell me more about this, Jesus. Oh, and then maybe they'll get to go to First Steps and learn about more. Maybe they'll get to go to our Levels classes and learn a little bit more. Whatever that is, but that first initial step, yes, it was inconvenient maybe. Maybe it cost us some time and some resources and some efforts, but it was worth it because we're connecting them to Jesus. Not us, but Jesus, the one who can save and can take care of their problems. As a church, we have a personal mission statement. We strive to be a place where you can become, where you can come and belong to a church family, feel loved and welcomed, become everything that God has called you to be, and go beyond ourselves and engage in service to others. That is our mission statement as the sanctuary, the three B's. We want to filter our programs, events, and interactions through our biblical mission and the mission of the sanctuary. So let's look at each one of these. The first one is belong. There are two things that we need as believers. First, we must have a sense that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And second, we need a sense that we are impacting others in close relationships. In the book of Acts, church, we see the power of discipleship through community. In Acts 2, 46 through 47, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added unto their fellowship those who were being saved." Community and gathering together is mission-driven. I love that. I love that we can have small groups, that we have ministries where we get to get together. I think the marrieds ministry last night had over 70 people or 80 people at their gathering. I guarantee you that some people were refilled in the sense of like, oh man, yes, I wanna be connected to God. Oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that Jesus, that Jesus did this, that grew deeper in their relationship through community. And maybe God did add to the church last night. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see. But the thing is, is that through community and gathering, it does add to the church, and it is mission-driven. This is a church for everybody. The whole gospel to the whole world means everyone, and we need everyone to feel welcome at our church, They need to feel like that they belong here. God forbid they come into church and feel judgment or condemnation. They should feel the love of God when they come into this place no matter what they look like and no matter what their past is. We have to strive to be very welcoming and loving. And just think about if you read the Gospels about how much Jesus loved people. He sat with sinners, he sat with Samaritans. He didn't care at all. He was like, you know what? They need to know about me. So I'm going to love them no matter what. And we need to feel that. We need to make people feel that way as well. The next B is become, become all that God has called you to be. The importance of a personal relationship with God cannot be overstated. I cannot state that or explain that um, enough, that you need a personal relationship with God. The role of the sanctuary is not to replace the personal devotion time you spend with God and his word each day, but rather enhance it. And as we come together to worship on Sunday and study the Bible on Wednesday, we are strengthened to know God more deeply and fulfill his purpose in our lives. While we have services and Sunday school and discipleship classes and home Bible studies and more and more and more to help you grow and know God and develop a relationship with him, we should strive to develop that relationship during the times that we are not in the building. We want everyone to grow in God and become mature Christians. Some of the ways that we can do that personally is times of prayer, especially in the morning. And I don't know about you all, but I'm one of those when I wake up, my mind starts running the day through. Okay, what do I got to do? What's my task list? What's my meetings? You know, and by the first 10 minutes I'm like, "Whoa, I just got a little bit overwhelmed." But I have found that if I take those first few minutes, maybe 15 minutes in the morning, if it's too much, maybe it's five minutes in the morning. But if you wake up, maybe you have a scripture that you've memorized. You can just quote it and settle your mind back down. Maybe you can pull out your phone or pull out your Bible if it's right beside your bed and read it. Read a couple scriptures. Let the word of God deposit into your mind, and into your spirit for the first thing of the day, your first fruits. Lord, I am dedicating this first time or this first part of my day to you. And sometimes what I'll do, and this is just my personal devotion, there are so many ways that you can have personal devotion with the Lord, but this is for me that I'll read scripture and then I'll get my journal out and I'll I'll write down, okay, this is what I kind of got from this. This is what I think this is saying. Lord, will you speak to me? Will you let me know what that looks like? But, and I'll write, and I'll write, and I'll write, and I'll have questions because sometimes I'm like, Lord, I need to know what this says. What, what does this mean? And I'll write questions. And a lot more times I have questions than I do answers, but that's because of my analytical thinking. But one of the things is, is that after I write down those times in, when I'm journaling, I'm spending time with the Lord, I'll sit there. For two to three minutes, and I'll let him speak. And I know that is like, oh, two to three minutes isn't anything. I'm telling you, that is the hardest two to three minutes to sit there and keep your mind clear and just focus on the Lord and try to listen. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, for lunch, we're gonna have this. And I'm like, oh, that's not from the Lord. I need to clear my mind out again. Let me try one more time. One more time, let me try to do this. But the more you do it, the more you condition your mind and you condition your time in the morning you're going to be able to hear from the Lord. He is going to be able to download into your spirit and think through all of that. And that is just one way that I develop a relationship with God. And the more I do that, the easier I can hear his voice, the easier I can read a scripture and hear what he's saying to me. So it comes, and as you mature as a Christian, we would encourage you to do that as well, to have that devotion time with the Lord. Fasting and praying is another way to be able to develop or to grow as a Christian, is that submitting our flesh unto God, and that is not fun at all. I really like to eat. I'm a foodie. I can seriously plan a whole entire vacation around food and not care about the sites. I just like, oh, I wanna go try this place or this place. So fasting is, it's, it's a thing for sure, but God does call us to fast as a discipline, and sometimes he asks us to do that just to submit our flesh if we're dealing with something. And that is where we have to have this concept of less of me, Lord. I'm going to push this down. I'm going to submit my flesh unto you and more of you so that maybe this direct funnel can go like this a little bit better and it's not all convoluted everywhere else. But if I can really submit my flesh, then I can hear the voice of God more. In John chapter 10, verse 25 through 27, it says, Jesus replied, I have already told you, that you don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The more you develop a relationship with God, the more you will hear his voice. The more you do those things, those practical things that we just talked through every single day, you will hear his voice. He will tell you what to do. He will guide your step. He will order your step. He will go before you. He will will lead you by his spirit. And then you will be able to hear his voice and then you will be mission driven because that are the things that he will deposit in to your spirit. And Psalms 37, four through five, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your desires, your heart's desires, commit everything you do unto the Lord, trust him and he will help you. As we develop a relationship with God, his desires become our desires, and we become what he wants us to be, not what I want to be, because I have my own list. When I was a teenager, I had my own list, but as I developed a relationship with God, some of those desires got pushed out, and they're desires of what he wanted, and it's so much more fulfilling. But I encourage you that the more you dig into his word, the more you pray, the more you listen to the voice of God your desires of your heart, he will give them because they will be his desires and they will be mission-driven, and you will become a mission-driven saint. The third part of our mission is go beyond. As you can tell from the name of the sanctuary, it is a refuge for hurting people. Everyone needs a sanctuary. Sometimes you may need a refuge personally, and maybe you're in a season where you still need the present, you just need to sit still in the presence of God and find healing in a place. Maybe you don't need to serve. Maybe that's where it's at, and you're just like, you know what, Lord? Today, I just need to sit in your presence, and I need to feel you. That's what the sanctuary can be for somebody, and many of you have benefited from the church, and I pray that you have benefited from this church. We are all on a journey and should give back when we can and go beyond ourselves to help others. In Philippians 2, 4 It says, do not look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. We should think less about our interest and be concerned with the interest of others. We should go beyond the four walls of the church and reach for people. Proclaim the gospel to others in your workplace, in your school, in the grocery store, and at the gas station. Share your testimony whenever it fits. Help people see where Jesus can help them. And you'll notice that whenever you start to talk to people, God will kind of nudge you and he'll be like, I need you to tell him about this. Or let's, let's kind of navigate this conversation this way. If you really trust the Lord and allow him to lead you, he will give you space for you to be able to proclaim the good news, whether that is the gospel scriptures, your testimony, or some amazing thing that God has done recently or in the past. Go beyond your self interest here at church too. If you see someone in your section that you don't recognize, I encourage you to go up and introduce yourself and connect with them. Coming to a place unknown, there are people that are just will drive by and see the church and be like, I think I need to go there. I believe that's God drawing them here, but when they come into this place, it can be very intimidating. There's 500 of us here when they come into a Sunday and they're like, Where do I sit? Who do, I, who do I know? How does this work? But I encourage you that if you come, if you see them, invite or introduce yourself and connect to them. Coming to an unknown place is very, very, very intimidating. And we do not want to be a stumbling block for someone on their way to Jesus. Help bridge that gap. Be friendly. Help them feel at home in his house. This is Jesus' house. We want them to feel at home. Right? Amen? Amen. Go beyond your desire to slip in and slip out and help people connect with Jesus. There are over 60 teams here at the sanctuary that help us go beyond ourselves and in service to others. Do you want to help people connect with Jesus? I encourage you to join a team. And our teams exist to serve others. And by serving, we can create an environment or a safe space for people to connect with Jesus. We are all called to be mission-driven and we play a part in being mission-driven. This church can't accomplish its mission-driven purpose without mission-driven people. So I would encourage you to be able to dig Into that, I was listening to a message yesterday, and um, had nothing to do with this. But the preacher had a really, really good thought, and he said it like this. And I really loved this concept. It said a good church has infants, people that are new in Christ, and young men or young ladies, but that's just the way the scripture says, is that steadfast Christians, and there are fathers or mothers that are seasoned disciples. And all of this comes from 1 John chapter 2. It says in this t- verses 12 through 14. It says, "I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because ye have known the father." I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. So let's break this down. Infants, they are new. They're new to God. They're just trying to learn how to operate in this new Christian life. You know, when you have an infant, they don't know how to walk. They really don't know how to eat. Their mother or their father has to help them through that. And In this scripture, it just says, let's focus as a new person in Christ. Right now, we'll figure out all the other things, the gifts of the Spirit, all of the other theology things. But right now, let's focus on not sinning and starting to form a relationship with the Father. That is what, as an infant, we want you to focus on if you're very new to Christ to Christ. Young men, overcome the wicked one. Now you need to start growing up. Like if you've been in this for a little bit and you're digesting the word and you're getting a little bit more solid food, young men, you need to start growing up and overcoming something. The word of God is in you. You've sat in church. You've done Bible studies. You've done personal devotion and it makes you strong. It gives you the power to be over, to overcome the wicked one. And as you digest the word, you grow and become strong. Fathers, you have known him from the beginning. So these are the mature Christians, people that have been in the church, that have studied the word, that have read the word of God, that know how this how this actually works, and they can give some um, advice to people. You guys have known him from the beginning. You've known him the longest. And you reproduce, you teach, you mentor, and so on. All three levels should exist in the church. That shows growth. It's totally okay if someone is just at the beginning learning how to walk the elders, the fathers, the people that are seasoned saints, we encourage you to help them learn how to walk. Help them learn, help the young men learn how to overcome the wicked one. You teach and reproduce and you pour into them. You are sh- that is how the church begins to grow. We are all at one of those levels in our journey. Many of us are fathers, seasoned saints. And we should go beyond to help teach, mentor, and so on. Here at the sanctuary, part of our mission is go beyond and serve others and help them grow in Christ. So if you do know, if you want to teach a Bible study, if you want to teach a class, or if you want to do something where you're able to connect with somebody and help make a disciple, I encourage you to do that because we have new babes in the church. We have new people in the church, and they need somebody to help them along this journey, just like somebody probably helped you along to where you're at today and as I wrap up serving can be connecting to a guest so some of you guys are like okay maybe I'm still I really don't know how to serve I don't know how to go beyond as part of our mission statement serving can be connecting with a guest teaching a home bible study encouraging someone you meet at the grocery store, helping tear down after an event, meeting at the church on the third Saturday of each month for outreach, or teaching a discipleship class. If all programs and events are tied back to the mission, everything you get involved in will be mission-driven, and we will be a mission-driven church, one that exists to seek and to save the lost. So as we end today, I believe that mission-minded states will will create a mission-minded church. That will be a value and a piece of our culture here at the sanctuary if we, members of this church, can be mission-minded. So let's examine our own personal mission. What are we doing to help accomplish God's mission? Are we living for our own gain? Are we doing things to grow God's kingdom or our kingdom? Are we shining God's light to others and telling them the good news? Are we showing God's love to others? Are we seeking God's will to be done in our lives and not our own will? Lord, your will be done, but not mine. Do we have a burden and love for people the way that Jesus had a burden for love for, uh, for people? Think about it. His love drove him to the cross drove him to inconvenience and it cost him something. If not, I encourage you to take time and correct the areas that maybe God's revealing to you today. Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word that allows us to be mission-driven. Lord, as we examine our hearts and our minds today, Lord, I ask that you speak to those areas that you need us to shape, sharpen up, shape up, maybe ship out. I'm not sure exactly, but Lord, I ask that you speak, that we listen to your word that we would be mission-driven because this church exists to seek and to save those who are lost, Lord, and we have a love for people and we want them to connect with you. Lord, I ask that you go with us and let us have an amazing service that is spirit-led in here in a few minutes. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.